0: Welcome to Cancer Care Connections. On this week's episode, Cheryl Tan spoke with Dr. Mark Fleming. Dr. Fleming is a medical oncologist and currently serves as president for Virginia Oncology Associates. Cheryl and Dr. Fleming dove into prostate cancer. They discussed the importance of screening and advocating for yourself in order to find facilities offering the latest and greatest treatments. Dr. Fleming also filled us in on why the treatment and research for this cancer are so important to him.
1: We're sitting down today with Dr. Mark Fleming, a leading figure in cancer research and a passionate speaker on the importance of cancer education and the early detection of prostate cancer. He joined Virginia Oncology Associates in 2006 and is known for his work in bladder, kidney, prostate and testicular cancers, as well as phase one drug development. Dr. Fleming has co-authored articles that led to the approval of new cancer treatments. Currently serving as the medical director of U.S. Oncology's Genito-Urinary Research Committee, he is at the forefront of cancer research. Dr. Fleming, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I know that this passion for research and cancer education is personal for you. Can you talk about that, please?
2: Yes. Well, I woke up every morning to to hearing, get up and be somebody. Uh, Those are words of my father. Uh, So when I was growing up, that's what I hear. Just as I tell my kids, uh, do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. You know Those little sayings that your parents give you go a long way. And that was my father saying, uh, get up and be somebody. And I lost my father to prostate cancer. And so I didn't know it at the time when I had chosen my path to become a prostate cancer researcher. I didn't know my father had prostate cancer. And I think it goes to that generation of parents who did not necessarily share things with their, their children. Hopefully that will change. And I think that gets to why men don't necessarily get tested because there's a stigma. Uh, they've heard the doctor might do this and doctor might do that. But at the end of the day, if you want to take charge of your health, you want to be in control of your, your health, then you need to proactively get tested, especially in African American men because There's a disproportionate amount of more aggressive as well as early onset of prostate cancer in African-American men.
1: I'm so sorry for your loss, Dr. Fleming. As we were talking earlier before sitting down to do this podcast episode, we were talking about the PSA test, the prostate-specific antigen test, and how you're noticing fewer men getting that test.
2: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I think that primary care physicians, which my father was, um, have a very tough job. And I think that they got the wrong message that it doesn't benefit uh, men. I wish we had something better, but it does impact of diagnosing men earlier when they're potentially curable. So uh, there are no symptoms to prostate cancer. So you can't palpate a lump like a woman might with breast cancer. You might not see blood in your stool like someone with colon cancer. And so that's why you have to be proactive in a disease that might not have any symptoms.
1: And you mentioned it earlier that once detected, most prostate cancers, if they're found early, men have an excellent chance of survival.
2: Absolutely. So the treatments for early localized prostate cancer, they vary widely. You can monitor it depending upon uh, if their disease is not that aggressive. Uh, There's surgery. There's radiation, there's different types of radiation therapy, uh, external beam radiation therapy, proton therapy is a type of radiation therapy. So there's multiple options uh, for men. And I usually give the analogy that the treatments for localized prostate cancer is like my wife's closet of black shoes. And that is that she doesn't necessarily go in her closet and say, this is the best shoe. It's the right shoe for the right occasion. And so It might be for someone, depending if you're 83 years old and you have other issues, uh, surgery is probably not going to be the the right answer for you. So wearing heels to go to the soccer game might not be the right approach. And so we have varied uh, options for men with both localized disease as well as advanced disease.
1: I like your analogy with the shoes. Yeah. Very appropriate. And I know that your focus on prostate cancer and bladder cancer is personal, but it also means you go out of the area to bring treatments back home, back to Virginia Oncology Associates. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in my effort to get up and be somebody, I view my role was to build a world-class genital urinary program here locally. Um, you know, uh, my kids only know Virginia is home. Um, uh, I go to church here. And so this is home to me. So being able to bring the latest and greatest technologies is awesome, Um, you know, and we've done that Uh, and we're not done. I think there are more uh, opportunities. We've gone into uh, diagnostic testing, which I had never gone into um, before of finding the more effective tests to be done. And I think also when you look at genital urinary cancers collaboration, I just love working with my colleagues, especially from urology of Virginia and TPMG urology because they believe in collaboration and that they're collaborating with me even though we have a different tax ID to say at the end of the day we want the best for our patients and that's what it's about you know healthcare is very competitive and i would challenge anyone are are you offering the same type of programs that we're offering here and i'm very proud of that and i know there are some health systems that don't refer to me and i take that personally and i know that you are not serving your patients and And the reason why I'm so passionate about that is this. My father was a primary care physician and I grew up in Cleveland. And I won't say the name of the institution that he did not like because he was a community doctor and he did not want to go to that institution because they didn't have an emergency room. They did not put themselves out to the community. They're a first rate uh, facility. And he was with his local urologist. But your local urologist, as empathetic and compassionate as he was, wasn't offering the latest and greatest treatments. And I had to convince my father, who had years of, I don't want to go to that institution, Dad, you need to go there because they're offering new novel therapies. And quite frankly, I wanted him to be around as long as possible.
1: Dr. Fleming, I know you take pride in offering the latest in medical advances to patients at Virginia Oncology Associates. How did you get started on this path?
2: I personally have been involved in three or four new drugs or new technologies uh, that patients get earlier. And one of my favorite stories is, and I'll never forget this story, I'm a married man, my wife Rolanda. We had a, a young daughter, and it was just the two of us. We had no family. We didn't have any aunts, uncles, we didn't have any grandparents to, to watch us. So when she was born, I'm trying to build my career. I'm an ambitious guy. And I remember my wife was working. Uh, she had to travel and I said, I need to go to Orlando. She looked at me on way. A wife can look at her husband and say, (laughs) well, why do you need to work again? And I basically said, I really need to go to this because there's this new drug, enzalutamide, that it is the hot new drug for prostate cancer. And I I just have to go. I got to talk to Mohammed Ermid, and I need to get on this trial so I can bring it home to Virginia Oncology. I go, I go to, to Orlando. It was a big ASCO meeting, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and I meet with him and I beg and plead. I, I, I will put people on this trial. I have, I got lots of patients. Um, I saw the excitement in this drug. I can accrue these patients. To make a long story short is I was one of the highest accruers on the trial. I particip I was on the New England Journal of Medicine paper, which is almost unheard of for a community physician, mm-hmm. uh being in the New England Journal of physician. And I had patients who were on that trial. And the very first patient that was, I'll never forget, he was a teacher. The therapy at that time uh, was a chemotherapy, he he progressed on that like I'd never seen anybody. It like I gave him water. He did not mm-hmm. respond whatsoever. And so at that time, this is this is 2008, uh, we only had one alternative, an FDA-approved drug. And um, I had this clinical trial. It was a placebo trial because we didn't have a standard of care. So he could either get nothing or this new drug, Enzalutamide. And he said, I don't want to do a placebo trial. I don't normally say things like this, but I said to him that if you take the standard of care, you'll be dead in three to four months. Wow! Because he was going to progress. If he didn't work with my best drug, it's not like he's going to respond to the next thing. He had his legs swollen. So if you put your legs together, I want everyone to put their legs together. And his left leg was swollen twice the size of his right leg. It was because he had lots of lymphadenopathy on his left-hand side. And he gets started on the tr- trial. Within a week's time, his left leg decreased to the size of his right leg. It was amazing. I'd never seen anything like it. And I didn't know, was he getting the active drug or was he getting placebo? We all believed that he was getting the active drug. I remember I went to talk to the makers of this drug and I was the happiest person in the world. My patient was responding. He went back to work. So he had to quit his job and then it was able to go back to work because of a clinical trial. And uh, he did great. He had advanced metastatic prostate cancer, where I had one time told him he was going to live a few months. He lived a few years after that fact. And he was able to enjoy quality of life following that. So that drug was FDA approved. And so that's why it matters where you go for your care.
1: Just you're sharing your story about... Picking up and going to other states, other areas to bring treatments back here should be a message to people listening, to caregivers who have relatives who maybe are dealing with this disease themselves. There are more new treatments recently than there were 20 years ago.
2: For prostate cancer, uh, there's a new treatment. And it really began with new technology, what's called PSMA uh, PET scan, so prostate-specific membrane antigen. And there is a new treatment, Polarify is the brand name, but the imaging that um, if I was to show you a picture of a PSMA PET scan versus a usual CT scan or, or bone scan, the conventional imaging, the accuracy that we can get with that uh, study is that much better. So we can find disease earlier. We can find metastatic disease earlier and we can be more intensive with our treatments. So we did a trial uh, with a next generation PSMA PET scan, an RH PSMA PET that recently got FDA approved to which uh, I don't want to be biased, but it appears to be better based upon even more effective of doing that. So we're finding better ways to find cancer. We're utilizing um, genetic or genomic testing. So in this past year, there's been two new combinations that have been improved for prostate cancer. Again, that's what my area of focus is. So that drug I told you about, enzalutamide, which Um, was approved back, I think, 2009. Now combining that with talazaparip, a drug is called a PARP inhibitor, which targets the 10% of men that have a DNA repair mutation. The most common be a BRCA mutation. So what men should hear is, like myself, I should get genetic tested because I can find out uh, am I at higher risk? Um, and um, we can do that with blood and saliva, so something that's relatively non-invasive. But we now have treatments to target that. So that combination was recently approved, enzaluzumab and talazaparip, as well as um, another combination, Abiaterum plus olaparib. So again, moving technologies or treatments that we knew worked for advanced disease, moving it earlier. Mm-hmm. The other combination, and I'm very proud that we were one of the leading accruers, is losing lutetium earlier on. So we know lutetium, which is an PSMA radioligand that targets on prostate cancer cells. So men with advanced disease tend to have PSMA on their cancer cells, about greater than ninety percent. And now we have a treatment that is has less side effects uh, when compared to uh, chemotherapy. That um, we know that it works after chemotherapy. We did a trial. We're waiting on the results. We reported at ESMO, European Society of Medical Oncology in late October, to know that that treatment is available early on. Well, I have colleagues. There'll be colleagues in the community who will, when that drug comes out, they'll have it. But we have uh, years of experience because we've been using that drug. We participated in that trial. And we'll continue to continue trials because that's the first wave. And I think of treatments as kind of our cell phone. So there's 1G, 2G. I think we're up to five, uh, 5G. five And if you look at 5G and what your phone can do now and what it did when the, the cell yeah. phone just came out, it's different. And the same thing in kind of the technologies that treat uh, cancer care. Yeah,
1: leveling up. We talked a little bit about genetic testing earlier, but I think it's important to really focus on this point. When should someone get genetic testing for prostate cancer? Who's the right person who should be listening to this and saying, I need to get this?
2: If you have a family history of prostate cancer, uh, you should engage in the early detection of prostate cancer. Um, um, I would suggest that age 45 would be um, for, for African-American men or someone with a family history. They should begin to start looking at uh, using a PSA as, a, as kind of the first indication. With regard to genetic testing, It's really, in my opinion, when uh, someone is ready, if they're interested, that's why there's genetic counselors. And we have genetic counselors here who can guide someone through yay or nay, because if there's no clear indication to do it, your insurance company might not cover it. There are clear indications, you have a family history, if you have cancer, that it will quote be covered. And, you know, but I'm from the school of if you want to be active in your health, why not ask the question? And we've now we've evolved to the point of we used to you had to get referred to. But now our genetic counseling program is for people can come and talk to our genetic counselors um, to find out if they're the right person.
1: For patients or their families who want to do a little bit of homework before coming to see you, before getting a test, before anything, where would you direct them to go?
2: I think there's national sources and there's local sources. Um I would say nationally the Prostate Cancer Foundation, uh uh NCCN guidelines, National Comprehensive Cancer Network guidelines specifically for patients. Um and locally the Hampton Roads Prostate Health Forum. Um full disclosure that you know I'm a, one of the founders of that organization and past president. So uh but it is very patient centric and and partner centric
1: are you finding that patients are more educated before they come to you and as they have more information they want more things and more treatments early
2: I do so um, there there are patients who are very well informed and they read about um, they read about different aspects of prostate cancer and one of the things I have to do is place it in its clinical context so my mentor Howard sheck had the clinical states model and kind of Is your disease localized? Is there a disease, uh, what we call the rising PSA clinical state, that we can't find the disease, but we know uh, that the disease has returned because the PSA is rising? That's when we have better imaging techniques like the PSMA PET scans. That's very helpful of recognizing disease earlier. Commonly as a medical oncologist, I get involved with metastatic disease. Um, And there's really kind of what's called hormone-sensitive metastatic disease and castrate-resistant metastatic disease. Hormone-sensitive metastatic disease is really when someone's initially diagnosed, and unfortunately, if their disease is advanced, that uh, though they have, quote, stage 4 disease, they'll live with this disease for many, many years. Much, much different disease than someone who has been on hormonal therapy, which is the initial treatment to lower testosterone level to treat your prostate cancer. One of the things that we've made advances, getting back to the concept of when we utilize, we find new drugs with most advanced disease, and we now know when we intensify early onset disease in metastatic setting, we know patients do better. We're now incorporating systemic strategies, chemotherapy, what we call androgen receptor targeted therapy. Um, as well as genomically tested therapy and also radiation therapy. So, um, we're combining, so it's really a multidisciplinary field of medical oncology, urology, radiation oncology. And we should never forget the primary care physician. Uh, primary care physicians are very valuable. Um, they can manage side effects, um, and assist me. And when necessary, we can get palliative care involved.
1: Anything else you'd like to share? Anything that is on your heart as you're, as you, you study this. You work with patients dealing with prostate cancer, bladder cancer. What do you want to say?
2: It's a multidisciplinary field, and so I believe that your your partner, spouse, family member, uh, your primary care physician, your urologist, radiation oncologist, medical oncologist that the best optimal care in the future will be when all those. People are working together towards helping you if you are diagnosed with this disease. And for groups that are doing multidisciplinary care, uh, they're ahead of the curve.
1: Dr. Fleming, thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: That's all for this episode of Cancer Care Connections. Stay tuned for our next episode where Cheryl will be talking with Dr. Christopher Paschal, oncologist, hematologist for Virginia Oncology Associates. They will discuss how lung cancer screening helps catch the disease early, which increases the chances for a long-term positive outcome. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available, or listen online at cancercareconnections.buzzsprout.com. Cancer Care Connections is the official podcast of Virginia Oncology Associates. For more information, visit us at virginiacancer.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Virginia Oncology Associates.